Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 53 of the Uncovered Podcast. I'm your host, Faram Kazi. You can find me at Def Mango on Twitter. And with me, of course, is Jared Kimber. You can find him everywhere. If you're lucky, he might even show up in your dream. But uh, lots happened, well, of course. I think the most important <laughs> thing is that I'm actually live on the internet after we tried to do a show after the game today. And <laughs> I, I, it would be unfair to say it didn't work because that that would be uh, cutting it short. So hopefully everyone... I, can you see me? Is this is this really yes. me, Farron? Yeah, it's really you. But uh, try the wave thing because I don't I don't see any balloons this time. <laughs> oh, wait, I can do the balloons. Oh, you can. What happened to balloons? Oh, there oh, we go. They're the balloons. See, guys? Uh, I think we, I can do a thumbs up. up. And then if I do... No, it doesn't work. Oh, okay. There's a few others I found anyway that I can do. Cool, but anyway, cool. balloons are still working. Yeah. Anyway, we've got Manan in the comments who says, hello, hello back to you, Manan. And of course, there's lots to talk about, Jared. But I guess we'll start off with uh, the World Cup opener. New Zealand absolutely steamrolled England. First, they restricted them to 282, who were, of course, the defending champions. Or should I say attacking champions? Because Josh Butler doesn't like the word defending, right? And New Zealand played three frontline bowlers, which is ridiculous. I mean, 15-man squads are an issue and that'll probably need a separate podcast. But the fact that they you know, managed to restrict them with those three frontline bowlers and like three sixth bowlers 
And, you know, they didn't have Kane. They didn't have Saudi. They didn't have Lockie. Uh, and be honest, Jared, did, did you see this coming? Uh, no one saw this coming. I think someone might have asked that on one of the lives. I was like, if someone tells you they saw this coming, they're a liar, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because, A, if, if you know they're going to be without those bowlers to begin with, and they're only going to have three front line. And look, they're only playing four front line now. So that, that's clearly a tactic they're going for in this World Cup. But if you knew that they were going to be down a bowler and they were going to be in that sort of situation, at the very least, you would have thought that England would have made a lot of runs, right? Mm. I had no problem with New Zealand making a lot of runs. I had extra batting in that side. But Santner at nine, wasn't he, I think, in that batting order. You know, we, we saw him bat pretty well against the Netherlands today. So yeah. look, it was it was a shocking result for many different reasons, I think. Mm. Uh, a fantastically weird way to start a tournament. You know, there was kind of no one there when the tournament, you know, the World <laughs> Cup started, despite the fact it was defending champions up against the team mm. they beat in the final. Um mm. You know, there was a lot of sort of weirdness about that particular game. Uh, but, you know, fair play to New Zealand. They uh, they looked sensational in that game and England did not. Yeah, we'll come back to New Zealand. Obviously, I have lots of points on them. But I just want to touch England first. Now, we, of course, had been working on highs and lows and different things. And with England, we ob- always kind of pinpointed the death bowling to be, you know, an, an area of concern. But let's be honest. I mean, the entire bowling was absolute garbage, right? Everyone got wrong. Wokes. Karan, Adil Rashid, Mark Wood. There was no single bowler who bowled well on the day. And this could be an issue, right? Because Jofra's injured. And then they didn't play top league. And I really thought they would play top league. But I think they went with extra batting depth with Karan. So what's your assessment of all of that? I I think we said, um, I can't remember which video it was. It might have been the one where we were talking about um, uh, the strengths and weaknesses of teams. It was pretty clear that since the last World Cup, they have struggled between the 10th and the 50th over. And we'd seen it in the T20 World Cup. I mean, I don't want to say what Sam Curran did was a fluke in uh, the Mm. T20 World Cup, but he hasn't been able to, uh, you know, uh, do it again uh, since. Chris Jordan is still hanging around the England team, right? Partly because he's a death specialist and they don't have many options like that. So with all that in mind, I think there is certainly a case for the fact that you'd say, uh, that the team is um, was going to struggle. The fact that this was probably a 350 pitch, I think Butler mm-hmm. might have said that afterwards, th- that helps New Zealand, right? New Zealand saw what a good batting surface this was and they could play through the line and everything else. Different surfaces are going to uh, bring up different challenges as the tournament goes ahead. But I don't think England's a particularly strong bowling team from, from the 10th over onwards in the game. And as you said, they didn't bowl well at the top. And I think if they're not going to bowl well at the top, their only chance of beating you is out-batting you, right? Hmm. Whereas if you look more at England, I think their bowlers were, I wouldn't say underappreciated because Adol Rashid and Liam Plunkett got a lot of love. But I think people didn't quite understand exactly what they were doing. It was a bit of a weird one, right? So, you know, you watch um, them smashing the ball, uh, you know, watch New Zealand smashing the ball everywhere. And you do realize that Plunkett and Adol Rashid or peak mm. adult Rashid, not this adult Rashid, might have been a little <laughs> bit better. But realistically, the big difference, I think, is that Chris Wokes took an absolute ton of wickets up in the power play. David Willey would take wickets in the power play when he would bowl. Mm. Um, and you also had uh, Joffre Archer. There's a there's a world of difference between those kinds of new ball bowlers. And and to be fair, the funny thing about all this is Sam Curran actually bowled really well in that power play. It just mm. didn't matter. He also took the worst wicket I've seen of any team opening in the World Cup. Like that was just <laughs> catch down the leg side. The leg side one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, seriously? But um, anyway, we'll uh, 
just I guess talk uh, about England a little more because I want to know that how much of a difference can Ben Stokes make to this? Because the bowling is the issue. The batting will inevitably come good, right? Even though Joe Root was the only one who kind of got a score, he got 77. But England just did not come off with the bat at all. We know that that's not going to be the norm. They will score big. Hmm. But can Stokes make a difference? Oh, it's, it's funny. When I, when I did the video about Harry Brook and batting in the middle order and why they hmm. probably wanted Livingston ahead of Brook, people like people got really upset. There's a lot of people just going, I can't believe you're saying this. Harry Brooks are once in a generational talent. I'm like, yeah, he is. But he's also not suited to this role. And what we saw in that game was them losing a wicket in the middle that they probably didn't need to lose because Harry Brook was playing in Harry Brook's way and he wasn't playing in Owen Morgan's way or Ben Stokes's way, which is knock the ball around, score it around, run a ball, and then when you need to go, go. And on top of that, they had Moen Ali at five, I think, in that game. Look, Mo's is what he is at this stage. He's just a mm. below in international quality batting talent, which doesn't mean that he's terrible. It just means that occasionally he won't make the runs that you need him to make. That's why he doesn't have a high average. Uh, and and so that at four and five is completely different than Joe Root, Ben Stokes. Sorry, Joe Root, Owen Morgan, and Ben Stokes. Mm. That was the last World Cup. So things have changed. And because of that, that's another thing we have to keep an eye on. In some ways, they have more power now, and they would expect Dawood Milan to overcome some of that by batting through the order, right? Because yeah. Jason Roy might have, what was Roy averaging? Maybe, you know, 35 or something. 39, expe- I think. Was it 39? Yeah. yeah You'd yeah. expect Close Milan, the way Milan plays, to average mm-hmm. more, but also because he scores slower to bat longer through the innings, which will help with some of those issues. But yeah, look, it was, it was bad for them. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we've got some more comments over here. Of course, Reddit RCB channel always shows up. So, hello to you. He's asking you, Jared, really quickly now, do you think England will make any bowling changes for tomorrow? Or, well, yeah, tomorrow. That's when they play. Correct. Uh, they're playing at... Um, Dharamshala, Bangladesh. Yeah. So, Reece yeah. Topley, maybe? Uh, look, it probably makes sense to bring a specialist seamer in, doesn't hmm. it, uh, for, the, for that? <sighs> realistically, if it is nipping around and seaming around and everything up there, they should already have the bowlers to be able to do uh, that within mm. this particular squad. You know, they've got Wood, Curran. It would be harsh to drop Curran because I don't think he was the issue in that last game. Mm. Um, but yeah, they could go Wood, Wokes um, and Topley and just go, look, these are our three best seamers at the moment. We'll try that mm. rather than Curran. The last World Cup, they didn't end up with a lot of batting depth. So they actually ended mm. up with a very similar kind of makeup. They might go that way again. Yeah, I think so as well. I think definitely Topley might be coming in. And uh, well, the Lal Zuberi in the comments says, Behram, what did you think about the Pepsi anthem? Not a fan of any anthems this time. I think all the am- anthems are really, really rubbish. But um, anyway, coming to New Zealand, of course, Devin Conway, 152. The story keeps getting better and followed it up with 32. So he's the leading run scorer at 184 runs. And Rachin Ravindra. The makeshift, you know, first drop batter. Hmm. He did open in a warm-up game and he has a very, very good... In fact, he came in as a touted batter, young batter to this team, right? Bowling was never his strong suit. So, he's scored 123 and then 51 again today. And uh, Will Young has also scored a 70 after the Ducks. So, Kane Williamson, who hasn't been playing these games, where do you think he fits in all of this now? Like, what do you think New Zealand will have to do to make room for their captain? Didn't you write something on this for I did. Um, for the show that we that we started yes. recording, I think yours was the next bit. I was going to try and mumble out that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so I, I never got to read your script because mm. I'm, I moved it around in the script, but I never mm. actually read it. So why don't you tell me what your thoughts are on that? Mm. 
Well, I actually was talking to this Twitter user, Craig, and I think he's watching this show because he's, he's a regular. So Craig, if you're here, say hi in the comments. But he suggested that, okay, if you want those overs from Rajan Ravindra, right, then you bring back Kane Williamson at three and then you get rid of Mark Chapman, maybe. Get Ravindra in over there. And then maybe even, you know, if the track is turning, you could play Ish Sodhi. I would be tempted after that six foot. So yeah, I think they can do a couple of things over here. But, but Ravindra wait, but, got wait those runs. But let's say everything you've said, that's the 11, it's hmm. fine. Where do you bat hmm. him? Is my question. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, right? Because Rajan Ravindra has been doing so well at first drop that do you really replace him at this point? Does Kane just come in and send him back to the lower order where he was just okay at best, right? So that's a tough one. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I, it was, it's funny. I think when I started watching today, I was my mind was, I kind of forgot that Kane still wasn't playing. Hmm. And when Ratchin came in at first drop, I was like, oh, that's interesting. They've put him up ahead of Kane. And then I went, oh no, Kane's not playing. And then I tried to think about where you would bat him because the position, if you move Ratchin to first drop and you keep him there because it's working and, and it suits his skill set, Kane's ideal um, position is in the Tom Latham spot, playing the Tom hmm. Latham role. But Tom Latham plays in that spot and Tom Latham plays the Tom Latham role. And to be fair, Tom Latham batted very well today when they're in a, not a tricky position, but, you know, they, they weren't doing great in, in, in that innings. Um, Just to add to that, Tom Latham, Latham is captain really well as well. He's used his resources perfectly. But that won't matter. that stumping. Barring that stumping, he hasn't made a mistake, has he? I still cannot understand why Ian Smith <laughs> did not know the basic laws of cricket. Then he called them rules <laughs> and then he read them out as if the umpire had done something wrong. It's, it, it, I know there was a social media team, and I'm not going to say who, who was a going, who was about to go really, really big on that uh, of the umpires making a mistake, and they asked me casually, and I was like, "No, the umpires did not make a mistake. Ian Smith made several mistakes." Um, for those who don't know, you, if you're wicket keeping, you cannot put your gloves at any time in front of the stumps unless the balls hit the bat or the batter, right? And what Latham did, and this happens all the time and very rarely is it called, is Latham had his hands in front of the stumps. When he took the ball, they were back behind. But that's not the rule is. And, and law. Uh, but the funny thing is, <laughs> not only did Smith not know that or seem to be confused by it, but, but also he was like, oh, you know, uh, like in the rugby now, the umpires are, you know, getting involved with the game and ruining the game. And I'm like, but that has been a playing condition for like a thousand years. And I've seen it called in real cricket multiple times. Like it's so bizarre. Anyway, um, whatever your whatever your question was, it was it was good, and I ended up ranting on something different. <laughs> yeah, I think the Ian Smith um, blunder was the second worst thing in commentary we heard today. After Ramiz and Sanjay kept call, calling the wobble scene wobbly scene, it just it was oh, getting to me. But uh, yeah, moving on to more New Zealand stuff. Mitch Santner. Five wickets today, a brace of wickets versus England. Cheyenne was our, our colleague who doesn't know about Cheyenne. He, he works with us and shout out to him. He was mentioning or asking the other day that is Mitch Santner the best defensive spinner in the world? And I mean, he's got a solid case. He has seven wickets. Can you even call someone with seven wickets a defensive spinner? <laughs> well, the interesting thing about this is we did a whole section on this that got eaten up in that other video. Is I, th I found it really interesting. He wasn't actually frugal today. In fact, hmm. the Dutch were hitting him everywhere. That wasn't the case against England. Against England, he did bowl very frugally and, and they struggled in the middle. The Dutch actually were playing Santa like he was a weak link. And they were being so reckless against him that he ended up taking all those wickets. Roloff tried to go out to him three successive deliveries. <laughs> he was dropped. He should have been stopped. Um, and then he was um, uh, and then he was caught the, the ball after. And there was no doubt that Santa got away with it. But at one stage after like six or seven overs, Santa was going at like seven runs and over. So 
the one thing I thought, I had him in tier four of my spinners, but the one th thing I thought absolutely would hold up is that he would go at, you know, 4.8 to 5.3 runs mm. and over. That That's a fairly standard thing for him to be able to do. So far, his economy <laughs> rate's been all over the place. But he's got seven wickets. Um, yeah. So look, it's, it, it's really, really interesting. Um, uh, you know, he's 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 one of those bowlers that, I think was underrated for years. It's really funny now. I'm now being called a, a Santner hater, which is, I didn't even need to be <laughs> one of these people, but um, I was defending Santner back when no one knew who the hell Santner was, right? Hmm. To the point at which I wrote a whole article once for Crick Info about how Kane Williamson would use him wrong over and over again. Uh, and people don't follow that sort of stuff. But if he can take regular wickets, then that's a huge, that for me, especially with the way Lockie's bowling, Lockie got scooped by Paul Van Meekeren today. If you're getting scooped mm. by number 11 and you're Lockie Ferguson, something's gone horribly, horribly wrong. Um, yeah. Uh, but if he can't take wickets in the middle, and I still don't think Ish is going to be a consistent threat. I mean, mm. you're the hoping uh, hoping he, he can be. I, I like watching him bowl. But um, then Santa has to take the wickets. And so far, mm. he's taking the wickets. Yeah, no, absolutely. Another Kiwi who's taking lots of wickets is Matt Henry, who I think is a criminally underrated new ball bowler. He's got... Three wicket hauls, both versus England and the Netherlands. Really, really good with the new ball. And his partner, Trent Bolt, of course, doesn't need any introduction. And he also bowled a knuckleball. I know you want to talk about that. But it's quite an underrated new bowling attack, I think, or new ball attack, I feel. Because New Zealand, you know, once again, they're showing to the world that they're here to contend, aren't they? Yeah, I, I wouldn't get too excited about them. I don't want mm. to douse flames. They mm. England shit the bed in that first game. And mm. I, I think there was... Uh, there would have been a part of New Zealand that would have gone into that game thinking we can't win it. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but just in a, well, we we don't have any of our players. We don't have any bowlers. <laughs> we're probably not going to win this game. And so sometimes freaky occurrences happen. I mean, there are going to be lots of games. occurrences, you mean the Glenn Phillips wickets? Is that Well, that, that was part of it. But also just in general, like, how often are you going to go into the game with one bowler short and actually bowl mm. the opposition to a far lower total than they would normally get? You might win those games because your batters might do really well, which they did as well. But it was a bit of a fluke occurrence from that point of view. The Netherlands game, I thought they played really smart cricket, but I also thought there were times, especially when Netherlands were bowling, where they were out thinking New Zealand. A lot of guys got starts. Uh, I thought the Dutch bowlers had very good plans for them. We're a long way away from thinking that New Zealand is suddenly mm. a... Uh, World Cup finalist uh, or a, a potential winner of this tournament. But right at the moment, you know, if no one can get Devin Conway out and Ratchet Ravindra keeps making runs and, and Santa mm -hmm. keeps taking wickets, I mean, two of those things before the tournament, you probably wouldn't have even had on your bingo card, right? Mm -hmm. So they're ahead of the game. I still think that third seamer position is a bit of an issue. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, if they win their next two games, which are against, I believe, Afghanistan and Bangladesh, That'll put them in good stead to perhaps qualify for the semis. And Sarosh Alam had asked that, has New Zealand's steer changed in your opinion or is it too early? Well, I think Jared's answer pretty much uh, covers that. And Pratik, of course, Pratik is always over here. Hi, Pratik. He says, hi, that guy. What do you think of the stumping fiasco? Well, that guy had addressed it earlier, so you can go watch the replay. But anyway, um, we'll take a short break. You're watching Uncovered with Jared and Behram and stay tuned for more World Cup action. Love cricket? Love strategy? Why not try Wicket Cricket Manager, the game for you? Manage your team, outsmart opponents, and lead your players to triumph. Dive into the world of dot balls and wides and experience the excitement of this elaborate cricket fantasy game on Wicket Cricket Manager. Welcome back to Uncovered. You're with Behram. You can find me on Def Mango at Twitter. And of course, Jared Kimber's with me. So 
more World Cup stuff and hello to everyone who is in the comments and is watching because we're on this new YouTube channel. So your support means yeah. everything. Yeah. And uh, the Netherlands, let's talk about them for a bit. Of course, you know, we didn't expect them to win those games and they got defeated by quite hefty margins as well. But their power play bowling, we had spoken about it earlier. You wrote about it as well. I've been peddling it in several podcasts. It came good versus Pakistan. They had them Redu- they had reduced them to 38 for three. And then versus New Zealand, they might not be- have taken a wicket, but they did bowl three maidens to start off the game. So is this a big enough strength, you would say, would you say, uh, to actually win them a game or is it not enough? Oh, I, I think of all the random strengths, I think the best one, the best one you can do is probably either have a really strong middle overs batting or really strong mm. middle overs bowling. But the next most likely thing to win you a game is going to be that that uh, power play with the ball. Mm. You don't win the power play with the bat. You win the power play with the ball, right? So uh, I think from that perspective, it's a huge advantage for them. Aaron Dutt's been incredible. Part of the problems with mm. Aaron Dutt, who is because they have to bowl him up top. They don't have him as much in the middle. You know, roll off, roll off. I think went for runs in this game, but I think he bowled okay in the against Pakistan, if I remember correctly. And Roloff's fine, but you want Roloff to be your second best spinner and you want him to be able to bowl in tandem with another spinner. And at the moment, Aaron is bowling in the power play in the death. It's not ideal. Um, Look, I think they played really good in both their games. Someone sent me a message. It might have been on the other video that that died um, saying, are we ever going to have a World Cup where we have like 15 or 20 um, uh, uh, teams who can contend? And I was like, what sport has that? Right, mm. we have the tenth best team who, in two games, has had moments where they have looked like they completely belong. They don't look mm-hmm. like they they're going to beat the the top six teams, but the bottom four teams. I, I promise you, at the moment, mm. Bangladesh, um, a- Afghanistan, and I'm missing someone. I know Sri Lanka. Who's the other one? Sri Lanka. If they take three quick wickets against Sri Lanka, mm. anything can happen. They could do it against a better team too. I think they proved that against Pakistan. Yeah. Um, and Scott Edwards is, and I've always been a big fan of Scott Edwards' cricketer, but his captaincy in this particular tournament, the the plans, the shifting, I think he used eight bowls in the first game but seven bowls in the second game. Um, I, I think it was really, really, I, I've been very impressed with them. Um, they also, if you take the uh, Ninmanaru Nin run out, out of this game, mm. I don't think they would have won, but I think they might have got 270, 280. Uh, you know, no, nowhere near winning, but that's a really good total against a New Zealand side, uh, I think. But in the end, it was just a bit, you know, the, once they lost that one extra batter. Uh, the One last thing I would say about them is their tail collapsed or the end of their innings collapsed. They've actually got, they've got um, Engelbrecht. Is that his name? Yeah, Engelbrecht, South, I think. Yeah, the South African. Um, <laughs> they've got Roloff. I think Roloff bats at eight. They've got a yeah. lot of depth for a team. Put it this way. Afghanistan would absolutely kill to have that kind of depth hmm. that, in their batting that that Netherlands currently do. There's a lot to like about them. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the thing that I like most about them is Bas Deleda. I, I personally, if you ask me, think that after maybe Hardik Pandya, if you look at seam bowling all-rounders, he might be the next most talented one on show. Four for 62 what, okay. versus Pakistan. Here we yeah. go. What what teams do you think he gets into at this World Cup? Doesn't get into India because I have Hardik. Hmm... Is he, he an might outside be able chance to, to play for England? Yeah, yeah, I can see him playing for England. Outside chance. I mean, I'm not 100% sure if he does. Would he bat at seven for South Africa? Yeah. Bowls, might not be able to bowl 10 overs. Yeah, that's yeah, the problem. 
Maybe him. Maybe he bowls seven or eight. I mean, he's a good mm. wicket taker for a fifth bowling option. Markram um, can bowl too. That's what I mean. Like, I, I wonder yeah. if if they would be slightly different. Um, Nisham is a better player um, at, at the top end of his game, but is Bad's leader a better ODI player right now? You know, in terms of form and fit and everything else. Like, there's a lot of teams that this Dutch player, you know, would would play in, and he's mm. young. And I tell you what. You and I both watched him against Pakistan, whatever it was, a year, year ago now. Was it this year or last yeah. year? <laughs> last oh, well, year. it was that ODI series uh, in August 2022. Then Pakistan played them in the T20 World Cup. Of course, they beat South Africa in the T20 World Cup. Yeah. Um, yeah, nice little subplot over there as well. Of course, Deleda scored 67. But during that 67, he whacked uh, Harris Rauf on the pull and then gave him a wink. And that's With- really, really nice because he'd cut him under, under the eye in the T20 World Cup, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember I did a whole thing about how remarkable that bouncer was and how by uh, moving him in the batting order and everything, it might have changed uh, Pakistan's whole... It was the most perfectly timed bouncer of all time. Um, (laughs) Look, he's a really good cricketer. And when we were watching him in 2022, it was clear he could do everything he needed to do from a technical Mm. standpoint. He saw the ball early. He moved into good position. He wasn't worried about fast bowling or spin or anything like that. What I would say is that his development in a year, you don't usually see young all-rounders develop the way he has. And the fact he keeps getting wickets, his bowling's a bit everything at times. Hmm. He actually reminds me a little bit of a young Dan Christian who was like more of a, a Dan Christian, probably not quite as fast as Baz Delita, but Dan Christian was the sort of guy where you're just like, you're a medium pacer, mate. Just bowl at the top of the stumps. And Dan Christian would be bowling everything. And he'd be just like, just settle it down. So as he gets more knowledge, he might be able to do all that sort of stuff as well. But there's a lot to like about him as a cricketer. 100%. He's definitely got the genes for it as well. His father's played World Cup cricket. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really hope to see him in franchise T20 cricket. I think he, that could really, really help him develop further. But uh, we'll move on to Pakistan before. We'll obviously take Sheikh Taufik Hassan Arko's comment. And he's saying that we at Bangladesh certainly will take him. So yeah, Pastor Leader. Oh, yeah, he'd be a good player. Well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's that far away from an Australian selection, right? Mm. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I think at the moment... Cam Green, Cam Green or Bastelator. That's the question. Well, I think Cameron Green is a better cricketer than Buzz Delater, mm. right? But if you look, and, and same at Jimmy Nisham might be as well, but if you look at mm. their actual role and where they are right at the moment, Buzz Delater mm. might fit into more of these teams in, in a handier way than some, some of the other all-rounders out there. It, it's, you know, Sri Lanka, oh, you know, would they take the captain or would they take Bastelita? Bastelita is yeah. probably a better player at the moment, right? Um, it's yeah. a really, really interesting one. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's a funny, funny comment on Shanika over there. But anyway, let's move on to Pakistan. Now, of course, they, they did lose quick wickets, including Babur. But then Rizwan and South built a partnership, a very crucial one. They both could have lost their wicket early on and it could have been a very different day. But uh, they survived and Rizwan played well with a straight bat, swept well on, on occasion. But South Shaquille, now we know him as primarily a red ball player. I know that you've been seeing a bit of him in test cricket and we've already obviously spoken about him prior. But, you know, the way he went about his innings, he scored his 50 of 32 deliveries and he had been, he was batting with a lot of intent. And it wasn't like out-and-out hitting. It was smart cricket, right? He was reverse sweeping. He was trying to mm-hmm. ramp. He was trying to pick out the gaps and uh, he was camping on his left leg and stuff like that, you know? Not something that you associate to a Pakistani batter, particularly someone who's just come in and is playing at five and we never thought he could play at five. So, yeah, what do you make of all of that? I, I think he's just, he, he's got a fair argument to be the best player of spin in the world at the moment. I mean, Devin Conway's <laughs> probably uh, 
you know, in that conversation. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of other very good players to spin. Kane Williamson's probably up there as well, right? But I think he's got a really good argument for that. M- my question would be, if he's going to play in the side and he is that good a player of a spin, he probably has to bat four, not five. Hmm. Maybe if you lose early wickets, you send Rizwan up. And if you don't hmm. lose early wickets, you send him up. Uh, that would that would be the only thing. There's, a five is, a, is more your kind of David Miller, now, I suppose Joss Butler, Glenn Maxwell position. Well, you want those Heinrich guys. To come in. Yeah, you want those guys mm. to come in around 30, 35, overmark, knock it around for a couple of uh, balls and then start to cash in on the end of the first power play and then hopefully take you all the way through to the death. Mm. It doesn't instantly um, suggest that Shaquille is the guy that I would want to do that. Whereas I mm. want Shaquille in from over 15 to over 35 manipulating the spin and at the moment scoring i mean he's you know scored really quickly of course off the spin as well look there's not that much to take from the pakistan game of course um they were disappointing and i know their odds really slipped mm. after that game but they won it do you know what I, yeah. like sometimes that's all that matters you know and those against the netherlands in this tournament they're basically banana um skin games right like mm. you know I, someone, someone's probably going to trip up on, on, on that game. They're not going to go in with yeah. their mindset right or whatever it may be. Or, you know, Van Meekeren takes four wickets up front or mm. um, all these different things. But Pakistan actually fought back from that. And they mm. gave they probably gave Netherlands two good chances of winning that game, right? Mm. Uh, but in the end, uh, you know, Pakistan was certainly the better um, of the two teams. And sometimes it's good to play an associate up front, not even though they might catch you off guard, it means that you've played one competitive game before the tournament mm. starts. No, oh, absolutely. And I think that Pakistan, you know, historically are very slow starters in ICC tournaments. And this game, they probably would have lost versus most opposition. But, you know, they pulled off victory after a scrappy performance. So I think that's a good omen, if anything. But, you know, you spoke of, uh, or we spoke of middle overs in Pakistan's bowling in previous episodes. So Harris Rauf delivered with the, uh, uh, the ball in the middle overs. He was quite devastating. His over, that one which should have had three wickets but had two, pretty much changed the game. And him, along with Hassan Ali, who was getting the ball to wobble in the power play, and then got it to reverse later. So these are encouraging signs, you would say, at least in the pace bowling department. Yeah, I, I think we saw the same issues. I know Shadab and Rizwan mm-hmm. um, got Nawaz. some wickets. Yeah. Ref- I, I mean, do that. Shadab and so Nawaz, I think they both... I would love to see Rizwan bowl. Can Rizwan bowl? Yeah. What would he I'm bowl? pretty sure Rizwan can do anything, right? He would but try and bowl. That... He must bowl in the nets. He'd be like Glenn Phillips in the nets. Like, let me bowl leg spin. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does. I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure he does bowl in the nets. <laughs> Sandhya Das says, Bastelera is, is wasting his talent in Netherlands. He should play for South Africa. Well, you'd be surprised to know it doesn't always work that way. If anything, it works the other way around with South Africans who don't make it to the South African team come to the Netherlands. So I'm not sure how likely it is for Bastelera to make it to the South African team. Yeah, I don't think he qualified. I mean, that's that's the thing. That, was it Simon Dool who said today there are 23 South Africans in the tournament? Um, and I don't know if he meant including the South Africans, but obviously, you know, Manus and... Um, mm. You know, I'm trying to think. Of, uh, Sam Curran isn't South African. Zimbabwe. Is Zimbabwe. Yeah. Does he qualify for both, though? Because didn't his dad live in both countries? I'm not sure. I'm not anyway, sure. Um, no, I think Sam Curran's mum might be hmm? Zimbabwean. Uh, I could be wrong. I could I'm, be getting that confused. Yeah. I know 
I know there's a few different ones because there is well, another. Didn't Kevin Curran play for Zimbabwe? Isn't he that did play for Zimbabwe, but I think mm. he also played professionally in South Africa as well. But ah. um, uh, look, yeah, it's it's a really interesting how many how, you know how that has worked out and everything. But yeah, I don't think it goes in the other direction. I don't think just because yeah. you're Dutch, you have a South African <laughs> relative. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't always play that way. Absolutely not. You were talking about Shadab and Nawaz and what you made of him. I think they bowled less hit me deliveries. But they weren't as assertive as you'd expect spinners to be in these conditions. And that still is an area of concern. I thought Nawaz was okay. Mm. Um, I thought Shadab was poor. I mm. think he got away with it in the end. He just he, did, he looked like, to me, someone who doesn't want to bowl anymore. Right? Mm. He just looked like someone who is, is... It's just not working for him at the moment. The ball's not coming out right. Maybe he, mm. you know, he got a couple of wickets. Perhaps that will help him. I'm not sure. But... I wasn't watching him thinking to myself, this is a guy who's loving bowling at the moment. Mm. Um, I, I think I might have put it in the group or on Discord or wherever it was that I got very strong George Dockerell energy. Nah. Not quite. I mean, Dockerell got the yips, which is a more common thing with left-arm finger spinners, of course. Mm. And I don't think, I don't believe that was what the, the situation was going to be for um, mm. uh, uh, for for um, a shutter. But... I just thought the confidence side of things. He just didn't look like a particularly confident bowler. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, just one last question, I suppose, we'll take on Pakistan. Sumit is asking that should Pakistan change their openers? Should Fakhar get another game? Uh, I, I defer to you. I, I think if hmm. you come into a tournament and you pick Fakhar as your opener, then it doesn't make any sense to get rid of him because he's yeah. failed once. But you might know of other players or some other things that might work better. Well, I mean, Sumit, you've got Abdullah Shafiq. But then again, for six years, Fakhar Zaman was performing. You don't have any other batter like him who's dynamic enough to change the complexion of a game in its entirety on his own. So I'd just give him that rope. And I'm going to, you know, quote Imran Khan of 92, who just kept the faith in Inzi. And Inzi came good in uh, the semi-final. So that's what I'll go with. Anyway, let's come to India. And Jared, I have a million-dollar question for you. Did Mitch Marsh, by dropping Kohli on 12, after... Australia had reduced India to two for three. Was that why Australia lost the game? Or was it because Pat Cummins chose to bat first on a wicket where Dew kicked in later and batting got super easy in the second innings? Which one is it? Uh, I think the catch probably had more of an issue. It was more of an mm. issue. I, I said in my video the other day that I actually thought that Australia got the best bowling conditions for them. I mm. don't think if they bowled on the dustier wicket, uh, it would have suited their bowling attack anyway. So the fact that they got a lively session with the uh, second new ball, Kohli um, takes a wicket then. That means Hardik's in early. You know, Jadeja hasn't made a lot of runs. Maybe you can put some pressure on them that way. They've still got Ashwin coming in later after that. Um, but it would have been a very different kind of game. Uh, hmm. the, the the toss thing I get, but yeah, I don't know. If that, that dustier wicket maybe helps Sampa. Um, hmm. I don't know. But if you've only got one frontline spinner, you probably prefer... If you said to Australia before the game, we'll give you 10 or 15 overs with the new ball where it's going to be doing something. Or you can have a really dusty pitch, which really helps Zampa. I can tell you which one they would have taken. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I guess uh, that's the opportunity cost that they paid for. And, and 200 was never going to be a big enough target. But here's what's concerning. Now, six of those 10 Australian wickets, they fell to spin. Of course, India went with three spinners, which I think was really smart at Cheapwalk. And uh, Jadeja took three, Ashwin took one, and Kuldeep took two, I think. But uh, I'm quite concerned when it comes to Australians playing spin because I think you did some numbers and they're not really good at it, right? Uh, they've got the eighth best average between the World yeah. Cups coming in. Um, so I think 
Netherlands and Afghanistan might have been the two teams that were worse than them. Mm. Yeah, it's not good. Um, they basically cannot rotate strike, and so they can hit mm. boundaries, and their overall scoring record's not too bad. But it's all risk. There's no manipulation. There's no getting off strike if you're struggling with a bowler or anything else. They're the eighth, eighth, eighth worst average and eighth worst at scoring singles. And this, you know, you know enough about subcontinental cricket in general that the problem isn't just uh, the, the problem is that you need to be able to manipulate the strike in order to put the spinner off a little bit to put pressure back on them. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you a really interesting story. A player. A player who was a very good player of spin was in a team meeting with me once and there was a, a comment about, he said, I just don't understand why you guys aren't just manipulating the strike here and getting more singles. He said, it's so much easier to score singles off, off um, spinners and pace bowlers. I was like, is it? So I went and had a look and this guy had this elite record at strike mm. rotation against spin. And I said, here's your record and here's the rest of the world. Everyone else is just as good getting off strike against pace and spin. It is clear that it, that is not the case with Australia. They can get off off strike quite easily with pace, and they can't do it with spin. And mm. it's you know it's causing them all sorts of trouble. Yeah, um, Sheikh Tawfiq Hassan Arko says that is Australia going to need another finger spinner in place of Stoinis? Who's going to tell him? <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, let's talk about Ravi Jadeja. He once again got Steve Smith in international cricket, mm-hmm. and there's a bit of a bunny situation over here, isn't there? And that was a very similar looking dismissal to the ones we've seen in Test cricket. Um, <laughs> He's taken him 11 times in international cricket, but from over 1,000 balls. Hmm. So it's not a bunny situation. It's a he's played against him a lot situation, <laughs> I think. Um, look, I would say that Smith has more trouble against Jadeja than any hmm. bowler in international cricket that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm trying to think if there's someone else I'm missing. Um, but I think that's true. So, yes, from that perspective, there's an issue. But... Um, He's still got a decent enough record against Jadeja. I don't think it's anything um, too much they need to worry about. And I think it was Aaron Finch who said, I think that ball would have got a few batters out. And that's yeah. also true, right? You know, sometimes you just get a really good ball. And Jadeja, without getting too technical on it, essentially Steve Smith, KP, Steve Smith, Bradman did this. Players who bring their bat from outside off stump and across the line usually struggle when the ball is moving away from them and they specifically struggle when the angle is coming in and the ball is moving away because yeah. you're almost, you're almost playing it like a windscreen wiper. It's why left-handers have so much trouble with off spin because a lot of left-handers bring their bat from slightly wider. Hmm. Uh, whereas right-handers seem to uh, keep it a little bit tighter to their, to their body. That's what Smith does. That's how he bats. How it's how he makes all these runs. And against left arm finger spin, it is not a strong, but no, there's no record of him in one day cricket having a big problem with Ravager days or anything else. And look, you know, if it's going to be a problem again for him this tournament, he's going to be in a final at least. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that one. And uh, moving on to India, of course. Now, here's a player that you love to talk about. KL Rahul delivered under pressure, scored an unbeaten 97, really wanted that 100 from the looks of it as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, he also neutralized Adam Zampa, who I think wasn't as bad as people are making it to be. But still, of course, you have to, you know, account for due and everything. But, you know, KL has caught uh, copped a lot of criticism and uh, even right now I think on our group someone was sharing a comment that people are still not sold so this will not silence the haters then because that was a performance that should be silencing the haters it was a comment the, the one you're talking about was a comment on our um, on our second uh, uh, on our other channel the main channel mm. and someone said um, Jared you're going to eat your words 
Carroll is not consistent. He's the leading run scorer in the IPL <laughs> for the last five years. The very definition of consistent. In 68 yeah. ODIs, he has the eighth highest batting average in the history of ODI cricket of, I think it's 2,300 runs. So it's a good chunk of runs. Right? Yeah. It, he's just become uh, a, a whipping boy. And mm. it was really interesting because that was a high pressure situation. And on top, hey, there's the thumb. Yeah. The thumb back on the screen. <laughs> uh, it's a high pressure situation. Also, it's a World Cup. And he's delivered twice. And we know he is this player. I, I don't know. Mm. You know, it was essentially, if you, have, if you don't want to go and watch a video or you haven't seen the video, essentially what I was saying is he had this really weird run of form over the two T20 World Cups where he only made runs against poor attacks and didn't make runs against good attacks. And somehow the narrative just stuck to him that that's who he was. It is not who he was. It is stupid mm. to think so. He's obviously, he's not Virat Kohli or Rohit Sharma. He's that, you know, that tier. He's that Ajinkya Rahane tier, mm. right? But to have a player like that available who can bat anywhere one to six in this lineup. And and keeps wicket. And kind of. He yeah. almost keeps wicket. I mean, he stands behind the stumps, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, I just don't think people really understand what good cricket is sometimes. And I think mm. that everyone, if not everyone, not even Virat Kohli can always be Virat Kohli. And you mm. have to be very, very realistic um, with these people. And he's a very good player. Yeah, I know. He's absolutely fantastic. And again, people should go and check out his ODI record before making those sort of comments. And I think he's solving a lot of problems for India right now. And any innings under pressure in a high-stakes game is big. Um, one final thought on India. Of course, Kohli did get dropped, but then went on to score 85. You almost expect that from a player of his stature. And uh, yeah, do you think we're in for a run fest maybe? Because this might be his final ODI World Cup. You never know. It's very much possible. He is yeah, pals I, with AB. <laughs> I would think he would be, <laughs> honestly. Um Look, whether it's going to be a run fest or not, I, I don't know. I, I thought he looked really good. If he'd been caught, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? <laughs> I, yeah. I suppose, you know, if Mitch Mars hadn't tried to catch a ball with his dick, um, the whole situation <laughs> would have been completely different, right? So I thought he looked good. I think we'll see more runs from him. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to say Coley's back or anything like that, but I thought he looked mm. really good at times in the last World T20 as well. Um mm. Whatever that funk was, he certainly got over that funk um, mm. and, and he's looking better for it. But I don't think I, – I don't know what his odds are for the highest run scorer in the tournament. I mean, I don't bet anywhere. But I'm not getting my wallet out to put a bet on him, I think is the, the safe way of putting it. Fair enough. And let's see how King Kohli you know, does in this World Cup. Anyway, we'll be taking a short break. We'll be coming back with South Africa, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh and Afghanistan. Stay with us. You're watching The Uncovered with Jared and Behram. Hello and welcome back to the Uncovered Podcast. You're with Behram and Jared. And let's talk about Sri Lanka versus South Africa. South Africa obviously scored 428. There were three centurions in there. Quinton de Kock, Rossi van der Dusen, and then Aidan Markram just came out and smashed the fastest ever done in World Cup cricket. 49 deliveries. And that was as belligerent as things get. Of course, the wicket suited them and Sri Lanka's bowling wasn't up to par. But... You know, when you think of South African teams, you think of big names. And this, this one doesn't have as many big names, but they've got a solid top six. And they certainly showed us that. Yeah, I think the things that they do well, they do very well. We're all mm. kind of panicking about the first time they lose four wickets in the first 25 overs, right? And, mm. and how it goes from there against the best bowling lineups in the world. But they do a lot of things right. Uh, you know, Rassi is kind of the the world's best uh, ODI anchor. They all bat around mm. him on, on either side. They attack a little bit more because they think they know Rassi's going to be in the whole time. 
what's he averaging 58 or 59 or something something like stage. that he has a yeah. ridiculous record in ODI cricket Se- second highest average after Shubman Gill um mm. you know so look because of that, I think there's a lot of things to like. It was an incredibly flat pitch. Sri Lanka didn't have their three best bowlers. I don't think that Sri Lankans bowled terribly. Like I went, especially went through Markram's innings. Uh, weirdly, when they did bowl a bad ball, Markram would just knock it to mid off for one. But uh, they didn't bowl a lot of bad deliveries or anything like that. So it was a lot of good batting. My concern would be that again, they've got this five person bowling, uh, five front line bowling attack, and they went for runs again. That yeah. would have no, been... Yeah, no Tabri Shamsi. No Tabri Shamsi in there. We predicted them play two spinners. Exactly. Whether he plays or not, although it, I did, I agree with you, it's a bit weird. Mm. But the other point is just what is going on with their bowling because it should be better than that. They should have completely shut that game down and they didn't. Mm. Yeah, no, no, definitely they did not. But uh, watch out for Aiden Markram. This might just be his big moment, you know. Definitely seemed that way. And the sound the bat was making... Uh, Markham's bat was phenomenal. But anyway, moving on to Sri Lanka, of course, you know, things didn't go their way. But the way they went about that chase, you know, there was lots of intent. Of course, Kusal Mendes was amazing. Quick fire 70-odd was really timing them well. And then you also got 50s from Asalanka and Shanaka. They got to 330-odd. Now, that score might win them some games versus other sides. You don't really associate 330 scores with Sri Lanka, right? So, maybe come next game versus Pakistan tomorrow they could spring up a surprise? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is, was that was that a 330? Um, what's the best way of putting it? What would that 330 have been on a normal wicket? Hmm. Is that a 260 on another wicket? Or 230 on some wickets? So, yes, maybe. It was, yeah, it was a, it was a, a very good score. Um, and they did w- much better than I thought they were going to do going into that innings. And also much hmm. better than, I think at one stage I said they'd get bowled out for 260. Hmm. And they ended up going well beyond that. So there were some very good signs for their batting. But that was a batting pitch, right? And, yeah. and you know, they were in that situation. Um, so fr- from that perspective, I think Sri Lanka are, should be happy with everything that's happened. But not, I, I don't think, um, I don't think that shows that they've suddenly got more batting than we thought they had. Hmm. Although Kusil yeah. Mendes, I mean, that was great. He should do that every game. Yeah, no, definitely. And he's been one of their main players for a while now because he did really well in the Asia Cup as well. So, carrying that form and uh, played well versus Pakistan. So, let's see what he's able to do tomorrow. Anyway, let's come to Afghanistan, Bangladesh. Uh, All of these fixtures were as one-sided as they come, but this one was rather different because the team was bowled out for 150-odd, right? And that was Afghanistan. Things are not looking good for them. And uh, three for Fashakib, three for Mehdi. So, they were undone by spin in Dharamshala. Another interesting thing. Terrible outfield. Another interesting thing. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, things are just going from bad to worse for Afghanistan because it seems like, you know, a month or two later, we were saying, oh, they could be this really good spoiler team. And now all of a sudden, we're thinking, okay, is that game versus the Netherlands the only one they might be able to win? Or or will they, you know? Yeah, I remember the 2019 World Cup, so I followed them for Crick Info, so I must have covered the vast majority of their games. Hmm. It was incredible watching the entire thing fall apart. And it was bad. They were unprofessional, uh, emotional. There were mm. there were riffs on their riffs on their riffs. Mm. Do you know what I mean? People couldn't even remember who they were upset with from day to day. <laughs> it was a really really bad scene, and I hope we don't see that again. Mm. Right? They play bad cricket. They play bad cricket. They scrape home one win. They don't even get a win. Terrible. You know, it's bad. But that's one thing. 
What they have to work out how to do is this is the time when we're all watching them. And I do think that the pressure has got to them the last couple of tournaments. But they still have match winners within that side. Uh, we, you know, yeah. we still have to see what Rashid is going to do against players, mm. um, uh, you know, the best players of spin in the world. That's a huge question mark for him. And he needs a really good tournament um, in order to, you know, work his way back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them play Pakistan in Chennai because that surface is going to aid their spinners. And Pakistan has looked a bit dicey versus their spinners. And uh, yeah, no Naseem Shah this time to save them. But uh, coming to Bangladesh, of course, you expect Shakib to deliver, you know, three-wicket haul for him is uh, nothing special. It's very, very, you know, routine for him, really, if you think about it on these sort of surfaces. And then uh, Arman Shanto scored 50. Of course, that great story continues. And then so did Mehdi Hassan, who has now started batting in the middle order, which is fantastic. He was he opening, he got 100. He was batting in the lower order, and now he got a 50 and a 3 first. So Mehdi, all of a sudden, you know, he's in my fantasy team, so give me lots of points. And uh, yeah, might be the coming of age of him. I mean, he is he not a sneaky bet for players of the tournament? I don't right. think he'll win it, because I don't think they make the semifinals or finals. And, I, mm. you know, Shakib maybe should have won it last time, and they didn't give it to him. Mm. But he has the ability of taking what? 15 to 20 wickets and scoring yeah. three to 400 runs in this tournament. Yep. Hey, look, he, his development, I mean, we were talking about Baz Delita before. What team wouldn't take him a Haiti? And I remember when he came in, he took all those wickets. And every, I remember everyone going, is this, is he just an Asian specialist? Is there anything mm. else to his game? He just keeps getting better in so many different facets. And he's, mm. it, it's very, very interesting to watch his growth. But he could have an incredible tournament. I mean, we've seen rubbish finger spinners take wickets in this tournament mm-hmm. so far. The good ones look like we didn't know which way the uh, it was going to go, whether it was going to be a batting tournament or a spin bowling tournament. It looks like a spin bowling tournament right now to me. Yeah. And so with that in mind, um, certainly someone like Mahidi Hassan is, should, ha- should be ready for a very, very good tournament. Yeah, and they play England tomorrow in Dharamshala. And they beat England like 3-0 early in the year in a home series. So I would say that Bangladesh, if they can win right now, that would make this World Cup very, very interesting. But here's to hoping, Jared, that no one gets injured on that, I don't even know, abomination of an outfield. It's bad, isn't it? It's really bad. Also, now that they've cleared it, if someone does get injured, what is that? I don't know. Does that open up legal avenues? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a... (laughs) It's a really, really interesting one because it looked horrendous um, yeah. the, the other night. And uh, it's, you know, some of the organisation of this tournament just hasn't been up to scratch and hasn't been as good as it should be. Um, it would be very interesting to see if future tournaments are run again more by the ICC and less by individual boards. We've seen when individual boards get involved, sometimes it just doesn't run as smooth. And hmm. that's not slagging off the... A lot of people are going to slag off the BCCI. Don't get me wrong, they made a lot of errors. You know, the ticket fiasco, and the ground fiasco, yeah. all those sorts of things. But they don't actually organise tournaments like this. Hmm. It's very hard to organise a tournament like this when you don't organise anything like this before, right? Even the ICC, I remember... I want to say it was a 2019 World Cup. You know, we had a situation where I had to go up to an ICC um, employee and tell them about the culture with a particular um, you know, group of journalists from one particular part of the country, uh, one particular mm-hmm. part of the world. And I and I said, you need to know this because you clearly haven't been told this and they're just going to do this thing over and over again. And I said, it's not, mm-hmm. it's going to cause you issues. But if you know beforehand, you can go up and chat to them explain to them why you want them to do it this way and they'll be absolutely fine. It's just not how they don't do it the way the rest of the cricket world does it. Yeah. When you organize a tournament like like this particular tournament and you're trying to do so much of that from scratch, 
there's, you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm. The BCCI don't run the IPL. It's run by IMG, right? They <laughs> don't run big tournaments, and they certainly don't run tournaments like this. And it really, you know, I, I, you know, the the old um, uh, the old Srinivasan slash uh, Giles Clark joke was always, you know, their job is the ICC's job is to do, be a party planner. That's why <laughs> they even Srinivasan and Giles Clark would let them do it because that's what they did very very well because. The ICC kind of like eighty percent of their stuff is organising tournaments. Yeah. No other cricket, uh, no other cricket board in the world does anything like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> ICC is known to be an event uh, management organisation. Yeah. A lot of people say tongue-in-cheek humour over there. But there's a lot that's gone wrong. Like I don't know why a lot of the grounds are empty. Is it the ticketing fiasco? Is it the visa fiasco? Because that's also ongoing. But there are lots of issues currently, but we hope to see, you know, this uh, festival of cricket come to life and, you know, everyone enjoy it and all of that stuff. We've got a super chat. So if you want to click it, Reddit RCB oh. channel has sent it to us. Yeah. If I click it, it's not going to do anything. But yeah, sneaky little it? Reddit RCB channel. Yeah. How did the tradition of the toss start in cricket? It's a very good question. I don't think I know that one, uh, Reddit, off the top of my head. I would say it probably came about from old English wickets when you would turn up and if if you decided to you know, bat first or bowl first uh, because you were the home side. Uh, and I, I'm assuming either the, a home or a wayside originally would have made that choice. Um, I, I don't know in, in which direction. And they probably thought that that wasn't as fair um, and you can go with it. We know that England looked at the wayside being able to choose what they do when they get to grounds. Um, I still think that's a fairly decent option going ahead. Um, although Bayram might have seen this. I, I think... Um, uh, I was writing a piece the other day that he he was looking over. I wonder if we will get to the day where cricket is more like baseball, where you have mm-hmm. ten overs, ten overs, ten overs, ten overs, ten overs, ten overs, or five, you know five overs, five overs, five overs. Yeah. So so that conditions actually don't favour one team over the other in the way that they mm-hmm. currently do. And I don't think you would ever do that in Test cricket because I don't think it would work, and also don't think it's needed. Are we mm-hmm. getting to the point where for day night cricket, certainly in certain parts of the world? It is needed. Um, you know, the Australia-India game is a perfect example of that was two different games in one game. It was completely yeah. different from beginning to end. And and I'm not saying, oh, India got the better of the conditions because, as I said, I think Australia got the conditions mm-hmm. they would have preferred as well. But what are we doing? If You know, anyway, it's a very good question. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, Abhishek Mukherjee might be your man for, for, for that kind mm-hmm. of question. But uh, it, I do think cricket needs to re-think um, about those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. more on the Footmarks podcast. We've, we've got other ODI stuff coming up over there. But uh, thank you for your question, Reddit RCB channel. And if you find out, let me know if the toss preceded cricket or did cricket invent the toss? I'd like to know that. But one no, final question. No, there's because bet- no? there's a betting game where you mm. toss a coin. So I reckon the toss ah. was around before. I could be wrong. Yeah, fair enough. Just one last question from my end, and I really, really wanted to ask you this because we've seen all, you know, 10 teams, you know, on show thus far. And we've seen some great captaincy displays. I think Tom Latham was absolutely fantastic. You know, the way he manages resources and everything. I think Barbara Azam did quite well, you know, even though it was the Netherlands, but we didn't see his attacking fields, or at least those kind of attacking fields. Prior. Can I just stop you? Tom Latham yeah. did well for, despite his lack of resources, is what I would have yeah. said. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Barber was good. Rohit Sharma was really good. The Scott Indian Edwards. choke. Yeah, Scott Edwards. And uh, I think the way India choked Australia in the middle mm. overs like that after 
Warner's wicket. I think that was phenomenal. Who, according to you, has been the best captain thus far? Scott Edwards. But he's captain mm. twice and he's got the worst bowling attack for these mm. conditions. And so I'm not saying he's the best captain, but I would have said, I think New Zealand have been quite good with their plans. I like what they did with Vikram today, for instance. But mm. if, if, you're, if you're asking me honestly, I would say that the, the best team, best prepared team I've seen out in the middle who can adapt and try and mitigate the opposition strengths. I think that's been Netherlands so far, but mm. they're also the team that has to do that. Yeah. You know, he, Tom, at a certain point, Tom Latham's like, we'll just get Lockie Ferguson to bowl fast. Right. Whereas <laughs> Scott Edwards is like, maybe we can bowl Vikram up at the stump uh, with the keeper up at the stumps. <laughs> and, you know, you know, there's a big difference there between those two things. Uh, but no, I think Scott Edwards is, he's impressed me the most uh, from a tactical point of view. I did like Latham and I like Rohit as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think Scott Edwards used what eight bowlers versus Pakistan, something like eight that. Eight versus at one Pakistan point. and seven in the next game. So yeah, yeah which is which is quite amazing. But uh, yeah, that wraps up this uh, well part one of our World Cup roundup. We'll be having these, of course, every week, and that's what uncovered will be till the World Cup's here because there's no other cricket, and of course, there's other news we'll cover. It. Wait, wait. Every- What's happening in Australia versus West Indies women? Because that seems. To be oh yeah. No, We'll do that another time. <laughs> yeah, of course, we spent a lot of time on Haley Matthews last time. But yeah, thank you to everybody who's, uh, who was part of today's chat. And please go subscribe to the new channel. This is where all the live podcasts and all that sort of stuff will be. If you like me working with Jared, I'm not on the other channel anymore. I'm just on this one. Yeah, I go never subscribe. thought of that. Yeah, go subscribe to the Jared Kimber podcast. All channel. these people unsubscribing from the other channel to subscribe only <laughs> over here for the, for the peak Bayram um, uh, content. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But uh, anyway, thank you to everyone and to you, Jared. And we'll catch you next week with another episode of Uncovered. Enjoy the World Cup. And yeah, we'll see you soon. That's all for today. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version via Patreon, where there are many other extras as well, including a Discord channel. There's a link to those in the show notes. Please review, subscribe, and tell all your friends about our show. Word of mouth is the best way of making our podcast grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Barat Sundaresan and Bayram Kazi. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston. Each episode is produced by Ishit Kuberka at Sound Potion Studio. The team from 42 help us out with the video side. Orajoti Sainapayi and Maida Akam, both producing podcasts, while Makunda Bandredi is the head of our YouTube content. Tired of editing your podcasts and videos because you are as lazy as me? Well, try using Memento FM, an AI-based service that cuts and dices, so all you have to do is hit post. Try Memento FM today. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis, but Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Ecukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey.
Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of sighs guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex.com.